This is Sunday, December 13th, 2020. You are listening to the readings and sermon from Advent United Methodist Church in Egan, Minnesota. This is the third Sunday in the season of Advent. Our reader today is Pastor Cindy Yanchuri, and preaching is Pastor Eric Elkin. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to listen and be renewed. Some thoughts to consider before we listen to a reading from the book of Isaiah, the 61st chapter. Isaiah opens the reading by declaring his purpose as a prophet. He is to fulfill what God has called him to do, to renew and restore the people of Israel by bringing liberty to the captives and comfort to those who mourn. This is not a spiritual liberty or an emotional comfort. Israel is held in captivity in foreign lands. In Luke, after Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he returned to his hometown of Nazareth. Full of the Holy Spirit, he began to preach in the synagogue. The words he read were these words from Isaiah. What had begun with Isaiah was being fulfilled in him. These same words from Isaiah are shared in our communion liturgy to remember when we eat and drink the communion elements, we are being renewed and restored to bring liberty to the captives and comfort to those who mourn. These words from Isaiah articulate the mission of every Christian congregation regardless of denomination. They are words we should take to heart. Hear these words from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 11. We're reading from the Common English Bible. The Lord God's Spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement, They shall be called the oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. 
They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. Foreigners will stay and shepherd your sheep, and strangers will be your farmers and vine dressers. You will be called the priests of the Lord. Ministers of our God, they will say about you. You will feed on the wealth of nations and fatten yourself on their riches. Instead of shame, their portion will be double. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice over their share. They will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and dishonesty. I will faithfully give them their wage and make them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are people blessed by the Lord. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because God has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness like a bridegroom in a priestly crown and like a bride adorned with jewelry. As the earth puts out its growth, as a garden grows its seeds, so our God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is the third Sunday in Advent and our theme that I'll be preaching on is expecting joy. When I preach, I like to focus on a particular verse or idea communicated in our reading. Today, I decided to concentrate on verse 10 in Isaiah 61. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God. Because, then the prophet describes the reason for his joy. Yet when I read the reasons for his joy, the word selection sounds 4,000 years old. My heart is joyful because God has wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm not really sure what a robe of righteousness looks like. I only know that it's not in my closet. We don't really talk that way now, do we? Matter of fact, about the only time I can remember using the word righteous was either on the mod squad or when someone's described as being self-righteous. One is way out of date. The other is not really a good thing. How can I communicate to you an understanding of Isaiah's joy? Well, to do this, I thought I would invite you to the woodpile at my house. This is not a pile of joy standing behind me. It is a job. It's a burden. 
It's a task to be done. A smarter man would have rented a long splitter and split this wood a long time ago, but not me. <laughs> I thought splitting wood with a good old-fashioned mall would be excellent exercise for a couch potato. As you can see, the pile remains unsplit, and I split this wood on a need-to-split basis only. <laughs> this is a good place to be because I want to talk about how a burden can become a source of joy. The first several years of our marriage, like I've told you before, Peggy and I lived in an intentional Christian community. We worked for room, board, and a small stipend. Each member of the community needed to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. We had, all, we had to share in all the chores, and we gathered every evening for prayer. In addition to our responsibility as uh, leaders, we had physical chores to do. Tops on this list was a cutting, splitting, and hauling of firewood to the various buildings. We had five retreat buildings, a 20-room conference center, and a large staff house, all heated by wood. In any given year, we burned anywhere from 100 to 120 cords of wood. So this was a big job. My job as a leader was to get the other members of the community to do work they did not want to do. Imagine the spirit of the community members when I show up and the first moment they got a chance to sit down and relax, I said, hey guys, guess what? We have to go haul wood to the retreat buildings. Yay! <laughs> what I learned to do, and I think I actually got to be pretty good at, was taking a difficult task and turning it into a game. We set up lines of people so no one was left carrying wood all by themselves. We tossed pieces of wood down the human chain, singing songs and yelling out random words as every time we threw a log, and finding ways to tell jokes as we did the work. By doing this, almost every time, we turned a burden into a community building activity. When we were done, people were laughing and joking, and, and our hearts were filled with joy. The wood pile reminds me of a lesson I learned while living in this community. The attitude one brought to the burden shaped the experience. It's also a key teaching point about biblical joy. In the Bible, joy is not a reaction to circumstances, it is a frame of mind, a decision one makes about how to approach any given situation. Often, we think of joy as a response to conditions or an event, like the Minneapolis miracle. Do you remember that Minneapolis miracle? The Minnesota Vikings are playing the New Orleans Saints. It's the last seconds of the game. They're in a desperate spot in case Keenum goes back. He throws the ball into the air. It goes sailing down the field and Stefan Diggs jumps over the defender, catches the ball and fades and runs and sprints to the end zone for a touchdown in all of Minnesota, explodes into joy. Videos of the fans' reactions went viral. The events were so big that even people who didn't like football uh, were full of joy. However, this type of joy is fleeting. Six days later, the Minnesota uh, miracle was a distant memory. 
Viking fans and players return to um, disappointment and frustration. A desire was formed in the heart. Oh, if we could just return to that moment when our hearts were filled with joy. This is not an experience limited to football. Joy that is bound to a reaction to an event or conditions is always fleeting, whether it's sports or family or church or work. Biblical joy, the kind of joy that fills Isaiah's heart, is not a reaction to circumstances. It is a frame of mind, a decision about how he is going to approach any given situation. When joy is a frame of mind, one does not have to wait for conditions to be better. One does not have to hope for a miracle. When joy is a decision, every burden we encounter is a possibility or has a possibility of for rejoicing. Our reading from Isaiah reflects this point of view. Isaiah opens the chapter by saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he lists all the burdens that he needs to carry. These burdens include to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and liberation for prisoners, to bring comfort for, to all who mourn. Now, I love the romantic vision of these words, but don't kid yourself. These are all burdens. They are like this pile of wood standing behind me. Someday that wood is going to warm my home, but there's a lot of work involved before it does. Congregations which embrace Isaiah's calling become dynamic communities and joyful places of worship. These communities know about rejoicing, but it is a lot of work to get to that place. And frankly, the work never really ends. Only those who allow joy to become a frame of mind rejoice in the duties. They have no problem understanding what a robe of righteousness looks like. When I first started considering this sermon, I thought to myself, is my heart actually joyful? And is God the reason for my joy? I would, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that uh, my heart is full of anxiety. It goes without saying that 2020 has been a difficult year for everyone, but it's been particularly difficult for the Christian church, which has been on this, do we gather, not gather kind of uh, spectrum. And it's been particularly difficult for the United Methodist Church when we've had so many social, um, religious, and, and societal issues to wrestle with about our future. I do. I worry about our financial picture. I worry about our sense of community. And I grieve the difficulty of being separated from you at a time when I was just getting to know you. Then, when I find myself in the pit of self-pity, I remember how much we're growing at this time. We are reaching more people right now than we would if, it, if there had been no pandemic. We are growing in our ability to minister to people in all kinds of different situations. And while we go without, our hearts are growing in gratitude for the simple things we used to take for granted. This ability to be together and sing and talk and share. When I remember these things, my heart 
is full of joy. And I think you should expect the same kind of joy to fill your heart. This joy is a frame of mind inspired by God's Spirit. <laughs> Have the light of the Lord shining down upon me now. <laughs> All that darkness has gone away. Isaiah opens chapter 61 by declaring, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. When he says this, he reminds me that his Spirit is my Spirit. Isaiah takes his spirit-filled body and moves out to, uh, into the lives of those who are both physically and spiritually empty. His spirit becomes their spirit because when God's anointed is sent to the oppressed, then God's spirit is sent to the oppressed as well. No matter who you are or where you are, God's spirit is upon you. God's Spirit is upon you because Christ has fulfilled these words um, of Isaiah and given us the Spirit of the Lord. When we look at this manger, or any manger scene for that matter, we need to see a family without. A family without a place to stay, a, a family without security, a, a group of people without any understanding where they're going and what this story is going to be. But the Spirit of the Lord is shining on, in, and among them as they gather. Mary sings the song of Isaiah as well. I rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of God. Mary doesn't sing these words because of her circumstances. She is an unwed mother about to give birth in a culture uh, that puts unwed mothers to death. She has a biblical frame of mind. She has an Isaiah frame of mind. She is one of the people that Isaiah was singing to. She has this frame of mind that knows that the Spirit of the Lord is in her and the Lord is doing something wonderful at this time. Mary's song, Isaiah's song, Jesus' song is a song we're invited to sing as well. Not because of our circumstances, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And no matter what, the Spirit of the Lord is doing something wonderful in our midst. It's the joy that leads to rejoicing. It's the joy that takes every burden and turns it into an opportunity to rejoice. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Gracious God, as we continue our Advent journey, we ask that you would open our eyes to the beauty and goodness around us and fill our hearts with grateful joy. Remind us that Christ is our light and the source of all joy and that we are here to serve you and to spread that joy to others. Amen. <music>